G'day and welcome to Nutritious Conversations. I'm your host, Duncan McMartin. My intention is that these chats with my guests add as much richness to your life as they do mine. And you too can be inspired to indulge in nutritious conversations with friends, family, and complete strangers. Big love and enjoy. Well, good day, everyone. Welcome to another podcast. I'm actually so honoured to be able to have a conversation with Nathan Maingard. He, to me, epitomises, I had a few words written down, a conscious warrior, a bringer of harmonies and a demonstration of love. And that were the things that sort of popped into my mind. So, Nathan, absolutely welcome to the podcast, man. Oh, thank you, Duncan. That's a beautiful, beautiful words to hear reflected at the beginning. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah. Look, I've, uh, I have usually kick off the podcast with just a, a bit of a question. What book are you reading, reading at the moment? Because I know you're an avid reader. Um, you've probably got about 100 on the, on the go, like I normally do. But what, what's sort of sitting in front of mind at the moment? <laughs> I just actually finished the book, The Big Leap, which has been revolutionary in my life. So yeah, that's, that's the one that kind of comes to mind. Yeah. What, what sort of landed within that book for you? Well, he basically says that so many of us or most of us have these, this thing he calls the upper limit problem, which mm. is that we have this kind of unconscious thermos, internal thermostat that is set to a t- certain temperature of abundance or joy or love or like success. And when we go beyond that in whatever area that, that we trigger these systems inside of ourselves, these subconscious things that we will basically bring ourselves back down. So for example, someone might enter into a really beautiful relationship and now they're starting to have the, the, the relationship they've always dreamed of, but unconsciously they go beyond their upper limit. And so then they'll go and they'll like, um, sort of make some really big mistakes in their business or they'll get really sick or they'll, or they'll mess the relationship up and go and like, you know, hook up with some old fling or like do these patterns that basically are like, oh, I'm having too much of a good time. I don't deserve this. Let me bring myself back down to where I deserve to be. And those patterns are set up from when we're children, basically. So like the, the feeling of not being worthy, the feeling mm. of not wanting to outshine other people, the feeling of, um, you know, the, the responsibility that comes with success being scary and like these, these basic, mm. I think he says there's four basic patterns that people carry from ch- childhood that create these upper limit problems. And the, the big leap is how to make the big leap into what he calls our zone of genius, mm. which is, I guess in a way you could call it ikigai. I don't know if you've yeah. heard the term yeah, before, yeah. but, um, which so similar kind of stuff, but he just, I mean, reading the book to me was just light bulb after light bulb of like, Oh my God, this is why I've keep doing, I've done this most of my life. Every time I've started to experience success in, in various things, it's just all burned to the ground and I, and I've done it and I, and I've seen myself doing it. And, and only after the fact on how did I, how did I do that? Like, how, why did yeah. I do that? And, and really in things that felt like they were coming, they were out of my control, like getting very sick or having chronic pain or, mm whatever it is, all the different things and realizing this is all part of the same thing is that I've had this upper limit problem. Mm. And it's actually very simple how to shift through it. But the book is well worth a read. So yeah, it's, it? been, it's been amazing for me. And I'm, I'm actually uh, yeah, taking action on, on a lot of the stuff I've learned in there right now. Well, I've got a heavily asterisks there, mate. So I've written that down. So I think that'll be what I'll, I'll definitely jump into. It, it's funny. What I'm actually really loving is the serendipity that comes into life. And um mm. You know, as you're talking about that and the patterns in childhood, one of the probably the um, 
the theme that I'm going through is really understanding the priming of the nervous system and where that priming of the nervous system comes from. Um, and it was fascinating because I was listening to your podcast with um, Melissa Sell um, on the German oh, New wow, Medicine, yeah. you know, and it's really interesting where there's uh, there's that sort of that insight within that sort of space of the German New Medicine. But I also sort of look, there's even a foundation level which you're really sort of speaking to in that space where where are these fundamental patterns that are put in? I mean, Gabor Mate, um, who we're, we're all familiar with, an amazing, amazing man, you know, looks at the the, the impact in utero um, of of mm. nervous system, you know, and it's funny, you know, within um, the first six weeks, our nervous system's created, and then it's it's so important that we encase it in bone. You know, and uh, you know, and then we move into this world, and and one of the things that's sort of coming forward to me is this: it's almost like there's another gestation period, another womb, and the womb is all about energy, and it's sitting in that womb from the age of zero to seven, and how our bodies are actually primed and developed to be able to sort of metabolize the energies around us. You know, initially it's through that sort of like those primal reflexes, like the palmar reflex you see with a baby. Where it grip, grips on or the gland or the Babinski reflex, and they're designed to get this postural control. And so we there's all there's this external stimulated existence. But the idea is is by the age of seven, we should be starting to tip that as an internal control and we and having that teaching. And if we don't and we stay in this heightened nervous system, then all of a sudden I start understanding why the German new medicine has some validity sort of sitting behind it, you know, and which is fascinating. But what sets you on this trajectory? It's uh, you know you 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 you've gone on this massive trajectory of just absolute knowing. Is it is it something that's just been in eight all the all, all the time with you, or is it something with uh, that's that that was sort of you hit a crossroads, you hit a brick wall, or a Mack truck? <laughs> yeah, it's the question I wonder about. Is like I wonder if we all come into this world with the knowing of of who we really are, because I, I definitely remember when I was a kid the enthusiasm and the joy that I wanted to bring to life and the authenticity that felt very natural and the sensitivity and the empathy. And then it kind of got broken out of me. Like I, I learned from life quite soon. And of course, like I don't consider myself unique in this way, but my parents, my lineage coming from a lot of trauma on both parents' side and they were both dealing with that and hadn't yet really stepped into their deeper healing, although both my parents are very sort of out there compared to society. You know, I was home birthed, which oh. even at that time was even crazier than it's considered now. Um, mm. uh, and it's actually becoming normalized now, which is fantastic, at least in the circles that I run in. Run in. And they, I was in a little village called Scarborough on the tip of Africa, and there was no running water or electricity. By the time I was old enough to, to remember, there was. But there wasn't when my dad moved there and when my parents moved there. And so it was a place for the outcasts. It was a place for the people who didn't find a place within the, the insanity that we call a society, in the, the crazy-making, mask-wearing madness of a society that that convinces us that we should follow toe the line and follow the rules and and mm. support the the man up top uh so so being born into that system i was fortunate enough that i did grow up in this beautiful village of scarborough where i was barefoot I, there was nature it was amazing but that didn't 
deny that didn't prevent me or protect me from exactly what you talk about not having that that second womb of the first seven years my parents mm. were completely dysregulated and so in their own dysregulation they I was the one who had to keep myself small so that they felt safe. So mm. through, you know, the, the, through my mom being numbed out and my dad being filled with rage. Uh, and I'm saying that these are the extremes mm. of their expressions. They were amazing. Mm. They are amazing people. I love them both very much. There's no blame here. Just acknowledging our lineages with, with all love and gratitude. But through that, I learned very early on that I needed to stay small and I needed to stay quiet and I needed to hold myself in. And then the kind of final nail in the coffin of my authentic self was when I went to school and I was, again, my intention, my desire was to reach out authentically with curiosity to meet and connect and play and and get to know myself in the world. And the teachers couldn't they themselves were in a trauma-based system. My fellow students were in a trauma-based system. So I was bullied and I was given detention and I was shown every mirror that I looked into the mirror of my life was like, you are, you have to be smaller. You have to pretend mm. you cannot be your authentic self. And so I believed it and I took it on from the age of, you know, nine, 10 years old. I mean, earlier with my parents, but it went, once I started going to school, I can remember those moments at around nine, 10, where I was like, okay, I'm not right. I'm I, the way that I feel like I want to be is not okay. And I'm going to do the other way and make myself smaller. And this is, I'm saying it like it's obvious, but it was all subconscious mm. and all these are the self-protective, which is what humans are best at is survival. So how do I survive in this, in this insane society that, that is brutalizing the authentic me that is just destroying me. Mm. And so I took it on and I became, I took on all these patterns of, I became a stoner. I became a player. I became a womanizer, you know, obviously from the ages of sort of 15, 16 onwards, but like mm. I started running these games of like, how can I be cool? How can I be loved? How can mm. I be enough? How can I be the kind of man that people are going to want to hang out with? How can I be safe? So I generally, most of my friendships were with women, deeper friendships with women, because I felt safer then. I knew how to play that game. I knew how to get what I wanted and needed out of women because mm -hmm. I was so deeply insecure of being abandoned. So, so I really ran all the scripts and I got very mm. sick through it. Um, and it took me, but it was always there. The thread was there. I have always been, I have always been who I am. Mm. And so when I started writing music at the age of about 14, the songs that started coming out were these sensitive songs about life and connection and truth and meaning. And like, it's almost like the songs were the signposts that were guiding me home. Mm. Uh, and, and the more that I would write these songs, the more I'd be out there in the world. And, and, I'm saying it all like, again, like these extremes, but I was aspects of my authenticity were there. I had good friends. I had good times. I was barefoot. I was a rebel. Like I was doing all those things, but I was tearing myself apart, trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. And I, and I tried more and more. I started drinking a lot. I started going to the kind of parties where people would fight. I never really got into fights, but mm -hmm. I was like, I was in that energy. I wanted to, I want to be cool. I want the cool guys to say I'm cool. Mm -hmm. And and that's the madness of it is I, I dedicated years to that. And yeah, I just reached a point in my sort of early to mid twenties where I was in so much pain that I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I, mm. I basically, I went on a, a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat yeah. from zero meditation to 10 days of 11 hours a day of meditation. It was fucking insane. I, wow. I actually don't recommend people do that off the cuff. Like I, I have, I know people, people have psychotic breaks doing that. And I'm lucky that I didn't. Um, but I have friends who never want to do meditation again. And because of 
going zero to Vipassana. It's, it's a very intense thing. It works for a lot of people, but it doesn't work for some people as well. So mm. it, it kind of did re-traumatize me, but it also showed me the first basically four days of 11 hours a day of meditation was action replays of every sexual encounter I'd ever had and not in a positive light. Like mm. really just showing me the re showing me what I was actually doing. Mm. You think you, I was like, I'm just having fun. I'm just enjoying. But actually it was like, you are, look at the pain that you're in, look at the pain that you're causing. Mm. And I just came out of that, like saying, I can't do this anymore. And, and then I immediately slept with someone like a week later because I was still like, no, I'm going <laughs> to run back my old patterns. Yeah. But it was so traumatic. Like I felt I, cause I had like opened my heart again. I had, I had torn off the mm. shell that I had been working so hard to build around my truth, around my heart, around my authenticity. And I couldn't do it anymore. I, it was, mm. I was bare to the world again. And so I went through a period of celibacy and, and, uh, yeah, and just continued the journey. I mean, I could keep going, but like, that's, I, again, the thread was always there. The songs were always there. The, 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 in my journal, the things I was writing about the, the way that I wanted to be in the world was always me, but I was hiding it. I kept layering up how many, I, if I can just put enough layers of stuff over myself of masks and pretense, mm. then I will fit into the society. But I, it obviously eventually realized the society's fucked. And actually what I, what the world needs is more people like me to be our authentic selves. Yeah. And I say that to anyone listening, more people like you to be your authentic self. That's really what the world needs because this, and look at the world. It's the society doesn't know what, doesn't have a single way to tell us how to be a good human in the world. So that's me in a nutshell. Oh. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nathan. That's just a, it's a gorgeous sort of uh, sojourn through your life, and and uh, and I'm sitting there, and I, I I recognize I recognize that struggle in myself. I recognize that side of things. You know, I was, you know, I remember having a conversation with my father a few years ago where he said, um, you know, you were so emotional, we didn't know how to deal with you, and you know, and then the labelling of being dumb, you know, and that um, if I get a, um, a trade and a good woman to balance my checkbooks, I'll get through life. This is in grade one, you know, and, you know, and you, and, and this, this wanting to fit in, wanting to fit in, wanting to connect in and not understanding a way of actually following my own, I guess my own energy signature, my own expression of who I am. That innate quality that is just beautiful, you know. If we, as individuals, if we can tap into it, and so I, I, I hear what you're saying with that, you know. And I, I think that's there's a lot of similarities there. I remember a father who who had that 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 anger, you know, and you know, and the generational trauma that's passing through. And it was interesting. I had I've had some amazing plant medicine journeys, and a, and a most recent one was an ayahuasca journey. And, uh, and that was a three-day um, retreat with with uh, sitting with the medicine over two nights, and which was incredible. And that was to be able to experience the release of generational trauma as an energetic, and to feel the completion of that was just the, one of the most liberating things I've I've ever experienced in my life. But now I'm actually coming into that integration phase and understanding. Tell me more. What's this all about? Where did it come from? How do I actually understand this? And then how do I actually bring that as a, an expression into this world so we can take an evolutionary step in humanity, you know? And I think that's probably the space that I'm sort of sitting in at the moment. And that's probably where the, well, not probably, that's where the, the idea of stepping into this 
um, space to have an expression, you know, which uh, you're very familiar with, with your very successful uh, We Are Already Free podcast. So I'll put those in show notes as well, guys. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Nathan. I think, um, you know, the courage to be able to jettison herself from that so what 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 made you what was probably you know the vipassana was a was a a big sort of shake of the system where to from there what did you start to do what did you start to look at well it was just the constant one step forward many steps back i've been a I think one of my patterns is I, I call it being a slow learner. I don't know what it's actually about. I think it's a lot of fear. I realized my, one of my foundational sort of limiting factors in my life has been fear. The fear of discomfort, the fear of mm. seeing parts of myself. And actually at, at the core, the, the deep fear that if I go deep enough, it's ugly all the way down. Mm. That's a really hard one. Is that like, why would I go and look in myself? Because all I'm going to find is, is just nastiness, like all the way. So those are the fears that I've had to overcome to, to do the work basically. And so I've, but I've avoided doing the work for a lot of my life and avoided responsibility. I really avoided responsibility still for most of my twenties and up into my early thirties. I, re- I, I didn't want to be a, a man. I wanted to stay a child. I wanted to stay a boy. And I think part of that is because I never got to be a, a, a boy in the way or a child in the way that children need. And I, mm. again, I don't consider myself unique for this. <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it really, it's just been a slow process. It kind of, you know, I met, I met my partner. Well, first of all, I, co- I committed to playing music full time when I was about 28. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was a whole thing that I did for about 10 years uh, of being a professional musician and, and going through those struggles and reached a point where I was quite successful. I had a very successful Patreon page and following and was growing with, with the music and with the friends I was hanging out with in London. And, and I did the thing again where I kind of burned it all down, where as it was really starting to get big, I went, I'm leaving London. I can't, I don't want to be here. I'm going back to South Africa. And so I did that. And, and in hindsight, it's, it, that's, you know, there's that lovely book, the surrender experiment. So this idea of <laughs> just, it is what it is. Let it be what it is. You know, this is my life. Trust, trust in the flow of life through me because by going back to South Africa, by coming back to South Africa, I met my soon to be wife, Carly. And mm. uh, I don't think I would have happened, that would have happened otherwise. So meeting Carly was a huge turning point for me personally, because um, I wasn't looking for a relationship and I hadn't, I had shifted a lot of that energy that I spoke about. I wasn't really a player anymore, although I was still not in a relation in a relationship kind of person. I, I've, I just didn't, I hadn't met someone where I really felt that desire to, to take it to that next level. Mm. Who knows what that was a part of. But, um, when I met Kylie, it was kind of just obvious, not initially, I didn't know, but she's just such a lovely human. I get on with her so well. We, we work together so well. Our demons play well together. As I've, <laughs> I've heard it said um, so yeah, we trigger each other in the right kind of ways for transformation and for joy and love and depth and authenticity. So mm. through that relationship, that's when I really actually fell apart was, was meeting her, then having now the safety that I'd always needed and wanted at a deep level enabled all the other shit to kind of come flowing mm. through. And I had a full sort of depressive burnout, dark night of the soul episode for like, I don't know, the third time in my life. It seems to be a, a pattern, but, uh, I think that's also the thing I, I think for 
like in a tribe, for example, there would always be the people who come through and, and still in tribal situations, it's the case, people who are born to be medicine people, to serve mm. their people as those who hold the energy of plant medicines, for example, those who would sit and hold the ceremony for ayahuasca, etc. And I think I might be one of those people. And mm. so... Uh, and, and I, I, it's not an easy path. And I don't say it like, oh, I'm a healer. It's like, no, bro. Mm. Wouldn't necessarily wish this intensity on anybody, but it means that I've had to go down into the shadows so many times. And through that, have the capacity to sit with people. It's why I work as a coach now. It's why I work mm. as a guide and a facilitator is because I can sit with someone in the gnarliest, darkest places and just be okay with them being there. And mm. that in itself is massively, people ex have that experience and they go, oh my God, it's actually okay. Um, mm. So saying all of that, coming back to the story is that I really fell apart with Kylie and it was, I was seeing my ugliness more and more because she's so beautiful and so wonderful. And every time I would run old patterns of betrayal and the grass is greener and trying to like play those old games of disconnection and blame and projection, I would just see the pain it caused her and I would see how that was reflecting on me and how it was me who was the one who was causing that pain. Mm. And, and so it just kept inviting me into deeper and deeper healing. And so I eventually found a therapist and I started working with actually a th specifically a psychologist who works with plant medicines mm. illegally as well uh, with magic mushrooms in South Africa, because it's still a class one, you know, schedule a drug here. Mm. Um, I'm here. But as she said, she said it would, it's her moral obligation because of the power of the healing of these medicines. She's like, well, now that I have the knowledge for me as a psychologist not to work with this would be immoral. Mm. Um, and so I worked with her and had huge healing there and then started working more, had a few sessions with Kali and I actually supporting each other and then got involved with the Huni Kuin, which is a tribe from the Amazon that travels the world. And they're actually coming. I now am one of the volunteers on their team, which is mm. amazing that I, I get to be a part of that just in, a, in some small way to help that medicine to, to visit South Africa. And, uh, and yeah, that's been the process. It's, it's really been, a, and so over those times, each time I would kind of let go of a little more of the shame, unpack mm. a little more of the weight, forgive a little more of myself and a little more of the others that each time that I would do that, it would be, enable me to, to show up more fully as, you know, starting my morning practices and breath work and ice baths and, mm. and starting to serve other people. And, you know, cause that's the, that's the journey that is the hero's journey is to, is to go into the darkness find battle whatever the demons are and discover that actually the demons were there to help in the first place mm. um, because they give us a chance to battle something and to overcome something and that by doing that we come home with gifts and we come home with treasure and what is that for that gift and that treasure is to help other people on their own paths on their own hero's journeys mm. and so I actually had a dream once where there were three demon kings sitting on, this was quite recently, wow. three demon kings sitting on their thrones in hell. And I was like down in hell with them. And I was, I was like, this is so bad. This is so bad. Like the deep, the, the, the <laughs> kings of hell are now like I'm here and I'm what, and I was so scared and I got so hooked in my fear that eventually one of the kings, he got off the throne. He came up to me. He's like, Hey man, it's not as bad as you think. Like I'm actually just doing my job. Like this is mm. what I'm here to do. I'm here to help. So just like, don't take, you know, you don't have to be scared this is just part of the journey like don't don't worry and it was mm. amazing he was like actually this really nice guy is just doing his job <laughs> i was like oh okay that makes that makes kind of more sense to me that's incredible um, anyway so, so that's some of the some of the journey and it's still challenging i still have all so much shit that i deal with on a date i'm still navigating trauma i'm still navigating i think 
all of us in this world, there's, there's physical things I'm dealing with that, that there's no way I can think through or heal through mm. that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And I just think there's so much I'm seeing right now in the sort of so-called spiritual realms and the wellness talks and everything where it's just like this ideal of perfect health. Mm. And I even have it in a poem of mine, like talking, I talk about where like perfect health is, is, is available. And I, I do think that vibrance and joy and, um, acceptance and contentment are all available. Mm. I just don't think it has to look like a certain way. And I'm saying that as someone like I've put on six kilos of muscle mass in the last couple of years. So like, I really, I'm taking a lot, I'm making a lot of effort to be strong and, mm. and healthy and vibrant and it's changed my life completely. So I do recommend people do all of that stuff. I guess I'm just saying that it's human. There's no way to go. It's not this idea of like, I'm getting out of the human experience. No, I'm getting into the human experience. I'm getting yeah, into that. my body. That's the mm. real healing. My mm. body is a gift given to me by the entire universe, by the infinite being that we call God or the one or the universe or infinity, whatever, mm. that that whole entity has chosen to manifest Nathan here in this moment. I want to embody Nathan as well as I can and love Nathan as well as I can and enjoy this Nathan experience as well as I can to the best of my ability. So that's kind of what my my process yeah. is about. <laughs> oh, I love that, Nathan. Mate, I just... Yeah, your 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 words. Just uh, you know, I could just sit there and just listen to them, you know. And, and I, I know with your poems that you've actually had, and and your songs as well. I did actually jump on and have a lift, listen to that Leaf song, you know. Um, you know, there was something that came up in a Pete because I quickly did a bit of a re-listen to Pete Evans um, podcast with you because I remember it actually resonated so well over a year or so ago or when you did it, and you know, and it was. You know, I, I think there was a word that you said, shame. Talk to me about shame. What does the word shame mean to you? I recently heard such a beautiful definition that is really working for me right now is that guilt is knowing that I did something wrong. Shame is believing that I am wrong, that there's something wrong with me. Mm. So that to me is, and I've carried shame most of my life, this belief that, that I had a deep intrinsic core level, I'm wrong. Because of that second womb of naught to seven years, not being held in a way that enabled me to feel like it's okay to be me. It's okay to have tantrums and lose my shit mm. and scream and cry and wail, not have it together because anytime that happened, my parents couldn't handle it. It was, mm. it was, you know, I'll give you something to cry about. And again, acknowledging that they were, they never had that themselves oh. from their parents and their parents never had it from their mm. parents. And like, yeah. so we really are like first or second generations, you know, and I look at my parents now, both of them have done so much work on themselves and are in such mm. a different space. And my deepest hope is that when Kali and I have a child, which we're hoping for next year, that we can hold that second womb, that we can really give our child the opportunity that we never had to know that 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 little boy or that little girl is safe and is is enough that they mm. don't have to carry shame for who they are. That who they are is great, is beautiful. And yes, sometimes they will feel guilt appropriately for doing things that are out of integrity, and they'll know that and they should feel mm. guilt for that. Guilt is a healthy emotion, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> mm. Well, as long as it's as long as it's not held. Because that's then manifests yeah. as shame, you know. And I think I actually I, I run that same definition, and I actually heard it from Christiane Northrup, um, mm. and she was talking about the um, madness um, of the last three or four years, and um, right. you know, having you know, and as I mentioned to you, I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for twenty years, and one of those companies was one of the ones pushing an agenda, and I stood in my sovereignty. 
and vocally and held my ground. And I was able to navigate, not negotiate. There was no negotiation. There was a navigation through it. But I remember listening to Christiane Northrup because um, I listened, I was listening to Mat- Matthias Desmond as well, you know, and he was talking about, um, you know, mass psychosis and that side of things. And, I, you know, that's, mm. it's, it's, it's interesting to know and, and recognise that. But Christine Northrup says, you know, how society wounds its members is in three ways, shame, betrayal, and then abandonment. And the worst of them is shame because the difference between shame and guilt is guilt is a made mistake and shame is and the mistake. And that's a fascinating one to work through. And I was actually at a men's group and I was a little bit, hmm, there was somebody up on stage and was asked that question from the guys in the group, you know, can we ever get rid of shame? And he goes, no, no, you can never get rid of shame. And I'm going, yeah, you can. You know, that's not a that's not a, a healthy state. That's a state when you're out of calibration with who you are. That For me, that's where I was looking at it. And I, I, I love that you, how you described shame. Guilt, guilt's an interesting one. I think guilt is that, it's that point of, um, I guess, where you sit down at the end of the night and, and you go, hmm, it's a bit like the Saturn Returns, isn't it? You know, Saturn Returns, he goes, right, 30 years, lad. You know, it's taken me this long to come back around. How's your life? Are you happy yeah, with everything yeah, exactly. and where are you heading? You know, and I, I, I love that. But I think, I think what we can do is that retrospect, and this is the beauty of being human, is that we can actually have that retrospective view, but it also can be a curse if we stay an artifact of that past. You know, within our mind, and that becomes a shame energy and stuff like that. Oh, it's gorgeous, mate. I, I love your language around that, and I, it, it's lovely chatting to people who have. You're not just regurgitating what you're hearing from anyone else. There are things that people are actually resonating with, and what you're finding is 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 those words will flow in, but it's that innate knowledge that's st- starting to percolate, and that's one of the things I really love about you, is just hearing that innate wisdom just coming through as you're getting more and more aligned with the expression of who Nathan is, the soul, the, the, the you know, your own energy signature for want of a better term. Actually, it's not a bad term. But I, I'm loving those words coming through, mate. You know, it's it's gorgeous. And it's, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting you say that because there's one of the things that I do get an, a bit annoyed about at times, which is no, no comment on the um, the people who are making, uh, saying this, but more about me. And I'm curious about it, but I, when someone, which ha- happens from time to time, someone's like, who, 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 what are you channeling? You know? Cause you just like, it just flows out of you. These, these lyrics, these poems, this way you speak, like, who mm. do you think you're channeling? And I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's, it seems ridiculous to me because it's uh, like, listen, if, if, or when people say, oh, you're so talented with words, I'm like, well, I have absolutely loved the words have been the one constant in a life that has been quite at times very emotionally chaotic, certainly, and and chaotic in many other ways. But the one thing is my love of words. Since Mm. I was a little kid, I have prioritized, loved, cherished, practiced, learned, like I've learned so many lyrics to so many songs. So it's basically if, if you have something, whoever's listening, if you have something that you care about and you're willing to dedicate your time, your passion, your love, your care to, even if it never makes you money, even if it's got no one else ever hears it or sees it or anything, if you're willing to put that time in year after year after year, someday someone will be like, wow, you're so talented. Mm. And, and I think talented is a mistake. It's not talented. It is, it is practiced. It is committed. Oh. It is dedicated. It's passionate. Mm. It's time plus effort. Um, 
And so, so yeah, what I think I'm channeling, because at the end of the day, really, we're all channeling exactly the same thing. That's the, the crazy paradox of existence is that at the infinite level, everything is identical. Everything, there's no time, there's no space, there's no mm-hmm. in, there's no out, there's, there's nothing. It's all the one infiniteness that knows itself as itself. There's only the one. And then we come to this experience and we go, oh, I'm unique. I'm a special, unique flower. And we are. And yet the energy that that's being motivated by, the energy that is that is um, firing every cell, every communication between every aspect of what we call ourselves, mm. that energy is the same energy. That energy is the infinite. Mm. And so, because if we zoom in now, you know, they first went you know, this idea that, that matter was physical in nature, this idea that matter, if we, if we get small enough, we'll find the smallest physical item and it'll be a thing that that's the building block of the universe, but they just keep getting smaller and smaller. Like the atom was really small at one point. Now we're way smaller than that. And there's, it's energy at those levels. It's just energy that's, that's happening. So therefore mm-hmm. if, if energy is the building blocks, then this, at this level, it's also energy. And that energy is the energy of the one, the one that is powering the whole thing. And, and we blossom uniquely, but at the end of the day, the message that comes through is the same. It's the truth. There's no other message than the message mm-hmm. of love of the infinite that I, I am because we are, we are because I am and I love you. And that's yeah. actually the whole thing. So no matter what, every one of us, as we realign into our authenticity, and even if we don't, even if we lie and we cheat and we kill and we murder, like that is still from that perspective viewed with love. It's either it's love that has forgotten itself, but it's still love. It's still a, an aspect or an expression of love that is trying to come through, but it's coming through in a way that is forgotten, forgotten mm. its true nature. Mm. And um, I think of an example around this where I often have a tendency to sort of uh, put people and and tribes and different things onto pedestals. So, for example, I would think, oh, well, you know, if we were all living our natural lifestyle as nomadic tribes traveling around and, and doing plant medicines all the time, everything would be cool. And mm-hmm. then I hear stories of shamans in the Amazon who for thousands of years have literally, you'll get black shamans, dark shamans who mm-hmm. will like literally cast spells on other shamans from other tribes and try to make other tribes sick. And like, and they are like, if, <laughs> if, if anyone is listening has sat with ayahuasca with plant medicines, it's like, it's getting to know reality in a whole different way. Mm. And, and yet some people would do that and be like, oh, we're all one. And then they'd come back and use that energy to like cast a, an evil spell on someone else. So mm. I, I really don't think there's any escaping the sort of polarity of it all. But I do know, I do believe that it's a worthy life, at least for me in this particular mm. go around, the, the mm. life that feels most um, valuable to me is the one where I remember that source, that love. So it's, it's basically the, the source energy of love is, is really not unique because it's the only, there's only one of it. It is Mm. the source. And from that, it filters through. So Nathan, when Nathan expresses, as you've referred to, when I'm expressing what you're hearing is love filtered through Nathan, Mm. through the specific filtration system of this being. And the same with Duncan, the same with anyone listening, like each of us is a, is a filter put onto the stream of life, onto the Mm. source flow, infinite flow of source energy. And that filter then gives it a different shape, a different texture, a different smell, taste on the other side. And so that's what each of us is a filtration system for God. So Mm. we're making God small enough that God can experience itself as another and in another and through another. And so that's it. Hello to all you lovely filters out there. (laughs) (laughs) That is beautiful, mate. That is just like, oh, tear up with with those words. I, I, 
I think it's it's quite incredible. Uh, and mate, thank you. Uh, you know, I love I love hearing like I keep saying, I love hearing you speak. The thing that I look at, which which is I love the language of analogy. And I think this is this is the, the beauty of, you know, we see the Pinocchio story is a beautiful analogy, you know. Um and you know, for me, starting to see how how you know, and, and again it's more I'm very much working off. And there was an insight that I got got recently about tantric. So when we look at tantric, and especially from a, a bloke's perspective, rather than having that orgasm that explodes out, is being able to hold that in, and you know, and being able to bring that energy into your own body and 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 sit with that energy rather than just expelling it all the time. And the analogy that was just very powerful for me when I actually start to get these insights, rather than the first thing I want to do is just go, blah, is to actually go, what does this mean for me? What is the understanding? I, I And then how do I integrate that in me? And it's really, really hard at times because you sometimes you just get these profound insights and you'll just go, I just want to tell the world. But then it's like, hang on a second, the insight's first for you to apply to you and then bring it forward, you know, and, and, and what you're bringing forward is actually the fruits of that insight in some respects. You're planting that seed of wisdom instead of exploding those seeds out you're planting that seeds of wisdom and then the fruits that come out is the wisdom as you've integrated those insights. So I love this, this language of analogy, but energy is really interesting and that's probably something that's been, you know, as I was chatting before and even a little bit off camera is, you know, for me looking at how our nervous systems are primed, but also you would you, you most probably read the Celestine Prophecies or seen the movie have you read that book? I actually haven't. No, oh, haven't I've you? been yeah. hearing about it a lot recently. Funnily enough, <laughs> look, it's a beautiful analogous book, and and the movie you can jump on YouTube. There's a free movie on there on YouTube. Um, I don't know where people can track it down. I've tried to track it down, um, and the YouTube one has it doesn't actually have the um, there's a bit of Spanish being spoken. I think at one stage, and it doesn't narrate what it is, but you get the gist of what's going on. But there's a beautiful representation of how energy and how we try and um, consume other people's energy and that but when we're working from that space of that god energy if you know which i, I i'm very familiar with that, that language or that source energy is that if we're both coming from that as that energy meets it actually expands and gets greater and greater and so what i was starting to see and the insights that i started gaining was that inherently we're cannibalistic until we learn the wisdom to tap into you know step into our into our source. If you, do you need to grab that? <laughs> no, I'm, no I'm good. I thought I heard a, a sound of a truck. That's right. Working. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, yeah, so, you know, so this cannibalistic energy that, that you know, if you're not connected to that source energy or having that intimate connection, this is the this is the insights that I've been sort of working with, is what will happen is, is that you'll, we operate almost like a battery system. I think the Chinese call it a pre-heaven chi. You know, you've got a, you've got a battery that'll last you about 21. Most of us wear it out. We're about 14, 15, 16. And, but this, this energy is what happens is, is that when we get in relationships with people is we take their energy or they take ours. And it's cannibalistic in nature. It's not coming from really source energy per se because we're just in this survival mode and we're in this fear and we, we, it's just, you know, we're expressing from traumas and all that sort of stuff. And then what I start to see is there's a point that's actually reached is that when you actually start to start having ownership, ownership of the world around you, ownership of the actions that, that are happening instead of, and I think you articulated it 
in one of the podcasts I was listening to, there was four aspects of things, you know, the world is happening to me, you know. And so when you actually start to recognise that it's coming that from that innate state and you go, hmm, I'll take responsibility, all of a sudden there's a different sort of energy. You start to metabolise your, your scars, your traumas, your, your story, the, the narrative that's in your head, and you start to metabolise that very similar to the analogy of the, the butterfly and the, um, the chrysalis or the, the caterpillar and the chrysalis, and you start to metabolise that. And then there's another phase you actually go into as you step more and more into that is that you start to really tap into that innate, which is your your essence and the connection to the divine. And then from there, you actually start to come back through. And that, as you're talking about that, you know, that God coming through the filter, but it's the expression of who I am sort of thing. And, yeah, so that's probably somewhere, that's a, a different sort of spin how I sort of look at, it, at things. And I'm finding that that's a, this, it, it's, it's, it's a it's a beautiful language that I helps me integrate and be able to have poise and responsibility or the ability to respond in life, which I'm enjoying. Yeah, it's there's another you've reminded me of talking of the butterfly. One of the things that I've come to realize for myself is as very liberating is that there's nowhere to get to. Because I think that can be that's kind of the next mistake that people often make on a journey of so called awakening. Is mm. they're like, okay, well, when I'm enlightened, that that you know, I just need to let go of all the traumas. I need to become fully responsible. I need to like own everything and everything. Da, da, da. Mm. But like <laughs> the 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 egg that the cat that the butterfly lays is as important as the butterfly. If the butterfly yeah. represents uh, enlightenment, which it does in our kind of mythology and our story here, and it's a beautiful story. It's one of my favorite representations of that journey mm. but often we forget that the butterfly is not infinite the butterfly dies the butterfly makes love it pollinates flowers it does all these beautiful enlightened things mm. and then it lays eggs and it dies and those eggs are, are very as important as the butterfly and mm. then they hatch into into caterpillars and what do caterpillars do they just devour everything they are destructive yeah, yeah. by nature they eat they will eat everything they can until they reach the point of full satiation they satisfy Satisfied, they've done what they needed to do. Then it's time for your cocoon. It's time to trust yeah, that cocoon. Yeah. And not only that, you don't just go into a cocoon and go caterpillar butterfly. You go caterpillar dissolve completely yeah. other than like a tiny little framework. You have to actually completely die to who you were to, mm. to go through that process. And that's the dark night of the soul. That is the, the mm. moment of like, I'm not who I was, but I don't know who I'm becoming can I trust this process enough to continue? And if mm. one does, then at some point one will find oneself shrugging out of a cocoon and being the butterfly. And that each of those, the point, I think the actual secret to so-called enlightenment is to be present and joyful and content with each of those phases, to be mm. in each of those stages being like, man, it's good to be in this egg right now. It's so chilled. I just get to be here growing and just like absorbing nutrients and becoming yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, caterpillar, I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to take. I'm going to take everything I can because that is what I'm here for. I'm here to take and grow and get big. And then, and then again, dissolve, dissolve. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is terrifying. I don't know who I am. Well, let me enjoy that experience of being terrified, mm -hmm. not knowing who I was, or who I am, or who I'm becoming. And then again, the butterfly of like having this moment. So mm -hmm. I don't know. To me, that has been quite helpful is, is a, it's a preferable way to look at it then the, mm. because there is not, it's not this idea of when I'm enlightened, then, well, then yeah. what you'll yeah. be that for, you could be enlightened for 2,700 billion years. <laughs> and then what, and then you'll start again what? because at some point that is how the cycle works. So mm. anyway. I love that. No, that, that's great. And I think that's, 
I had a beautiful chat, and it's actually the first podcast that'll be going live, and um, they're in the process of bringing it on on live in the next few days. And and it's with a a, a beautiful friend of mine, and we we're, we we're talking about the maid, the mother, the the Marga and the crone um, aspects of of you know the beautiful expression within womanhood, and. We were talking about seasons and and things like perimenopause that she was experiencing, and my lovely wife, Kat, is actually you know experiencing some of those health expressions or those expressions into this new phase. And what I was really amazed at um, was the language he was using around each month. Is the seasons are touched in each month, and so there's there's the you know the the winter with the sheddings as goes, you know, where the menses happens and then moves into the fertility of spring and then summer and then autumn as things start to reach that completion point. And I think, you you know, when you look at that butterfly and, and your, your beautiful extension on that, I think this is what the recognition of those seasons is where the wisdom sort of sits. It's when we first sort of start off and we are that caterpillar and we're just devouring and devouring and devouring with no wisdom about that this is, a, this is part of the cycle. And being able to sort of delve into that. And I think as we go through it and recognize, and again, that's that retrospective view that we can have of life, you know, where we actually go, yeah. And we know you would have experienced it in the plant medicine journeys. I know I have as well, you know, being able to sort of sit with myself at different ages. You know, I remember sitting with myself as a 10 year old that was getting bullied horrendously when I moved from the city to the country. And I was sitting and I'm looking at myself on the floor and I said, um, what do you need from me? And I looked up as a little boy and I just said, I just need you to hold this space so I can just be me. And I went, okay, I'll do that. And, you know, it was so interesting and so liberating to be able to go back into that phase, you know, and actually see myself in, at that stage. But then looking at myself in, in those teenage years where it was, you know, maybe not aligned with with what I really, you know, I, I guess my my innate qualities, and and trying to be something I wasn't, and and being able to sort of sit with that and just go, yeah, okay, that devouring stage that we go through, is uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm I'm loving this. I'm loving these analogies. Sorry, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, Nathan. You'll find that with me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good with me. That's uh, beautiful. That, well, that's talk to me about your coaching, you know, because I, I, you know, what I've seen with you is you, you, you know, you really you stepped into this 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 space, you know, you it was so amazing because we looked at, you know, fear was the virus that was being permeated. It wasn't something else other than that. It was a fear, and it really checked what our immune system was like. And yours came out pretty strong, and and I know mine did you know, to, to fear. And I think part of it was because I've danced with those devils. You know, I've been to that point where I've tried to take myself out. And so when I was confronted with that, the, it wasn't anywhere near as dark as where I've been. And and the love that I had for myself, bringing myself from that that point. So, yeah, it, it, it's, I, I see with you is that, you know, you came onto the, uh, into my space when i you went viral <laughs> with that gorgeous poem through the you know the the people who were who were sitting there just you know questioning what was going on and then yeah the podcast came about 
it's this beautiful expression that you're having beyond the music that you had in London, mate. You know, it's a it's a different harmony you bring into the world. Where's where's it where's it heading at the moment? Where's a where's what's the expression happening at the moment? Yeah, well, thank you. That poem was it was so good to get that out because basically when it all kicked off, at first I kind of ignored it because my partner and I, Kylie, we were living in a little town and a little sort of suburb in Cape Town. And, and as soon as we heard lockdown, two week lockdowns is what the initial thing was in, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve mm, yeah, in right. South Africa. <laughs> yeah. uh, God. And we had four dogs and we were living in a little space. We were like, we can't do this with dogs. There's no way this is going to. So we were just blessed enough to have Kylie's family farm just an hour and a half outside of Cape Town mm. where she owns and runs her guest house. And so we had a place there next to the guest house where we'd lived before. And so we just moved there. And at first it just kind of just was like, it'll just blow over. People are, you know, people aren't silly enough to let something like this get too crazy. (laughs) How Mm. wrong I was. Mm. Um, And so then at some point I started sharing a little bit on socials of kind of like, what about this stuff? What about that? What about your immune system? Like, what about, you know, just these things that to me seem quite obvious and, and straightforward. And, and I just saw how polarizing it was. Like immediately mm. people would be at each other in the comments, like just very, and I, was, and I just felt this isn't really having an effect that feels good for me. So I stopped, but I felt this truth wanting to come through. And for the first time in my life, I started writing long form poems, which mm. I've written poetry a lot in the past. And I've obviously written a lot of songs as a musician, but I, and I wasn't really playing at that time. I just didn't feel as connected to, to songwriting. And so I started writing these poems. And I think the third one or so was the one, We Are Already Free. Mm. And it really just came through and, and landed in such a way at a time that people really connected with it. And so as part of this journey that I've been going through, while, while all that was unfolding, I was in my process of, of my dark night of the soul, of letting go of who I was, Nathan the musician, which was a very strong identity that I really felt connected to and attached to, and, and allowing myself to become whoever I really am. What is the holistic representation of myself? What is my real purpose in this world? Which is a lot of the work I do with clients now is purpose work, which is amazing. It's been, and it was really to come to a point where I was clear on my purpose, which people, I'll just give you a little hint. It's not about what you do as much as who you really are. And that's the piece that a lot of us miss is we focus on the doing, but we forget about the being. And the being is in fact the thing that will energize and will motivate and align your doing. And so for me, once I got clear on my 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 why, my purpose, who who Nathan really is here to be, what this filter works best as in this life, that really allowed me to step into a different state of being. And I started studying a breathwork facilitation course mm-hmm. and I started doing ice baths and taking better care of myself and and, and started doing a, a professional coaching course and really stepping into these different courageous shifts. And I tell you this, it was scary. I'm saying it now like it sounds easy, but it was fucking terrifying. I was mm-hmm. I was like, I've been working as a musician for 10 years. I built up this whole business. I've got these patrons. I've got this whole thing. But I I knew deep down it wasn't working. The energy wasn't there anymore. I was not, the money was going, the patrons were going. I wasn't able to maintain the energy of putting out songs the way that I had been. It just wasn't there. And I, and I, that was the reality. So, so yeah, letting go of all of that and slowly but surely moving in this direction of coaching. And I call it coaching because that's something people kind of understand, but it's really, it's really container building in a way. It's containment. Yeah, yeah. It's like 
so people come into the space and very often it's one of the things I, I try to remember to tell people when we first ha have our first conversations is like, it's okay if you cry because people are often shocked by how quickly they're in tears. And, and I actually feel emotional saying that because, because so few of us have had a chance to be really witnessed. Mm. And, and so when I'm having gone through what I've gone through, and as you say, reach those points of thinking it, the world would be better without me and really thinking and like, planning, you know, what do they call it? Suicidal ideation. Having been to those places a number of times and that deep shame, that deep lack of self-worth mm -hmm. and all the processes that I've been through and all the exercises I've learned is that when I come into space with someone and I'm just seeing them, really seeing them. And this actually reminds me of a story that the first time this truly happened to me was I was in my early twenties. I had just gone through the Vipassana. I was celibate i had decided to be celibate and so of course had immediately fallen in love with someone and was now in northern california and this woman was in a relationship with someone else and they were and i knew that i wanted to be celibate but i was also in love with her and i was i, I she i felt like she had something that i needed and i was right and so the one day we were at this house and she was going to prepare lunch and i said can i come help prepare lunch and we chatting and i and i said to her I feel like you have stuff you can teach me. I feel like there's a lot I can learn from you. And her response was, dude, I'm just trying to look, like work my life out as well. I don't really think I have anything for you. And, um, and so I said, okay, well, what can I help with for the lunch? And she said, here's these potatoes. I need you to cut them like this. And so I said, okay, cool. And I cut the potatoes and she came up and she said, that's not how I asked you to cut them. And immediately I felt that deep old shame immediately mm. like that. And I didn't even know what it was at the time because I'd never, it had never really, I'd never been confronted by it as in my life. I'd hidden it. Mm. It was this deep hidden thing that I wasn't even aware of. And I just felt this deep, this, this thing inside of me, this pain and this sadness and this, and I just went, okay, well, I'll do it again. And she said, okay, I want them cut like this. And in hindsight, she was way over pedantic and they didn't need to be cut that in. But, <laughs> but the, the lesson, she gave me the lesson I needed, which, so I cut them again and she came back. She said that Nathan, that's not how I asked you to cut them. And I just felt my throat closing up and I felt myself going. And she's like, what were you thinking about while you were cutting them? And I was like, I was trying not to get it wrong. And, and it was just like, and as I said that, I just felt this emotion just pour out of me. And I just said, I was like, I have to go, I need to go and just sit. And I went and I sat in the, in the vegetable garden and I just sobbed because mm -hmm. I realized that my entire life I'd spent trying not to get it wrong. I'd been just spending all my energy. Like if I just cannot get this wrong, then will I be enough? If I just don't get it wrong instead of like, what if, what, if, what can I bring that is the fullest of myself? What, how, what joy can I express as Nathan of like who I really mm -hmm. am instead of that? It was, how can I just not make, get it wrong? Wrong? How can I not mm. get it wrong? How can I not be punished mm. for being wrong, basically? And and it was a huge revelation. And so that is kind of the energy that that she gifted me in that moment because she looked at me and she she when she saw what was happening, she's like Nathan, what's happening right now? What's coming up? What's ha and she just looked at me and she saw me and I couldn't hide because I wanted to. I wanted to run away. I wanted to close off. I wanted to turn. But she just looked at me and she said, "What's happening right now?" Mm. I see you what's happening. And I just, and that witnessing is what I bring to my work. Mm. So it's often very intuitive. I have all the processes and tools and coaching methodologies and breath work and ice baths and we can do all those things. But the reality is that what I bring is the witnessing and the witnessing is a container. And the container then is that space where someone steps into the safety of a container where they are truly witnessed and whatever needs to come out comes out. Mm. And that's the work that I do. Oh, that's incredible. Nathan. Nice. it's just, that ability to hold space, mate, you know, and the wisdom to be able to do that without trying to rescue, without trying to 
force an outcome, but just to be there, you know, and presenting those inquiring questions that that person grabs onto, um, you know, it's 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 a gift and a, a, a gift to the world, and it's beautiful because I think that's the thing that I, as I'm moving into, and thanks for sharing that, Nathan. That was just incredible, mate. You know what a, you know, a vulnerability, a witness to your own sort of evolution there, and being able to sort of hold on to that, the experience of that is is incredible. I look at with my um my grandkids, and you know I, I've, I I'm, I'm sort of I don't know, you know, uh, they usually come to me for, for uh, I've got a lot of knowledge, you know, um, which anyone can sort of gain and, you know, and, and I'm, frequently the kids are ask their parents a question and they go, that's a granddad question. So I'll get, <laughs> I'll get a phone call from them, you know, and, you know, um, you know, and there's some really interesting ones, which is, which is great. But I'm actually moving more into this phase of, well, what's, what do you think? And what do you understand about that? Rather than jumping in with the with the answer, and it's beautiful to actually hear the stories that are coming out from them. Some of the things uh, what I'm finding is is it's moving into this. I'm learning so much, you know, as I stand in their their presence with their questions that they're asking me, and hearing the innate wisdom come from these beautiful little children, you know, is just extraordinary. And and I think the lesson that I'm learning or the insight that I'm gaining from that is the 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 power of holding space and presence you know and demonstrating that and and you know and when we can actually learn those you know to have it held for us is incredible and we're both very blessed to have you know gorgeous partners that can hold space for us so i've got a, an incredible incredible wife um katarina and um and but what i'm actually learning more and more is that holding that space for myself and the the gentleness of that, and and I think you embody that, mate. <laughs> you know, I just I just you know the the presence that you actually have. I keep I keep blowing sunshine at you, mate. So, but uh, it's just the witness of of what I'm actually seeing, mate. You know, and I, I think it's incredible. We've got mindful of time, Nathan. You you you're so generous with your time, and and I think um, you know for me um, the. I'm loving the conversations and the 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 daring to go into those areas and just speak from that space. I mean, I listened to a a beautiful podcast where you were talking about gender and the masculine and the feminine, and and it was just a, such a a beautiful, uncomfortable at times as the words were trying to come forward. You know, and and the poise and the presence and the tripping over, you know, and just finding those sort of things. And I just went, oh, I love that because that to me is a nutritious conversation. That to me is is actually being audacious in bringing who we are forward. And you know, so I'm I'm enjoying your podcast, mate. You know, and I had somebody say to me. You know, when you reach 49, 49 seems to be the number of podcasts. And it was funny, I was looking at yours and you're, you're well over the 50. You're, I, I don't know how many you've done now. And I went, yep, he's done it. <laughs> he's cracked it sort of thing. So, but look, mate, um, I'm going to, how can people get in contact with you? I, I will put things in show notes. Um, I, I know the We Are Already Free um, podcast is a, is a great us, you know, connection into you, and I really encourage people to jump into that because, you know, the the interviews that Nathan does, and not only the the interviews, but where you actually stand and speak from your space, 
is just beautiful. So, yeah, where can where can people get in contact with you and and courses? And are you doing coaching virtually and all that sort of stuff, or is it in person? Yeah, absolutely. Most of my clients are, are actually overseas, not in South Africa. So most of my coaching currently is is virtual. I do have some in person clients as well, but. Uh, the easiest is really just my website is nathanmaingard.com. Um, and actually it's easy. It's harder to spell for some people. So if you just do already free dot me, that's, uh, that's the link that it is. So just already free dot M E and, uh, and I love that domain as well. Already free dot me. Like already free me. we are already free. <laughs> it's just so fun. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, they, they're actually alreadyfree.com is available, but it's like $2,000. Oh, I don't think. Uh, maybe someday I'll have the like disposable income to spend <laughs> that much money on a domain. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, I'm most active generally on Instagram, but mm. even more so on the, the podcast. The podcast, you'll get the, the weekly episodes. And, and yeah, it's just so much fun. I really recommend like if you just... Yeah, it's. I think a part of it is like you. You said something earlier that stuck with me of mass formation and mass psychosis and knowing about those things. And like, I, I think that's where some people got stuck. And mm. I saw that, you know, in the whole mm-hmm. thing unfolding. People like stuck on what's wrong and how do we fight and what do we need of this mm-hmm. and that and da, 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 and the end that lizards are trying to do. And it's like all these. Okay, great, great, great. All that stuff's cool. Uh, one of my guests actually, Sean the Viking, amazing guy, Sean Zimmer. Um, mm-hmm. He said. 10% of your time, focus on what's wrong. 90% on your time, focus on Ish. what you want and what's, what you want to do. Like what do yeah, you, what, yeah. like build the life you want 90% of the time mm. because that 10% is any more than that. And you basically are just focusing on the problem and it doesn't, mm. it really doesn't help. So we are already free came out of that, of this idea of what, who are the people around the world right now who are already free and not only, of course, as human as we all are, but they are literally living the lives that so many of us are wanting and, and thinking mm-hmm. about and dreaming of that those there's actually already so many people all over the world who are already free. So let's give mm. them the energy. Let's give them oh, what they yeah. need to flourish and blossom and then do the same for ourselves through mm. that inspiration and that connection. So we are already free is a good place to start. And uh, I wish you well on the journey wherever you are. Oh, big love, mate. You're, you're amazing. Um, keep that, that, that amazing heart shining, mate. And uh, I, I would love to have a chat down the track as, we, as I gain momentum into this place. And, you know, as, as, as I've said, you know, connecting with Nathan, I, you know, he's the real deal. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I learn a lot Um from from the insights that you 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 discuss with your not just your your guests what they're actually saying but the way you articulate the words so big love mate and I really enjoy your Thank space you. all right thanks mate thanks Duncan it's been an absolute uh, a, a nourishing a nutritious conversation a nourishing conversation <laughs> a nutritious <both>. conversation <laughs> love it <laughs> a shameless <laughs> plug <Yeah. laughs> all right mate I'll stop the recording we'll have a quick chat thanks mate nice. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.